Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders at the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And for today's episode, we are going to finish looking at the words of exhortation from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 14 through 22. And we'll begin with, Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying. On the Jewish feast day of Pentecost, the very day upon which the church began and about which we can read in Acts chapter 2, the apostles were baptized with the Holy Spirit. We are told in verses 3 and 4, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. As the apostles received the revelation of the Word of God, they were able to confirm that word with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 4. We learn as well that the apostles were able to pass on the miraculous spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit through the laying on of their hands. We find that in Acts chapter 8 and verse 18. The miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit are named in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 8 through 10 and were in operation and were very important in the early days of the church. It is apparent that there were those in the church in Thessalonica who possessed miraculous spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit, including the ability to prophesy. As the complete word of God had not yet been revealed, it was the work of the prophet to act as a spokesman for God. What the prophet had to say was extremely important, for he was revealing the will of God. Paul was exhorting the Thessalonians to utilize the miraculous spiritual gifts that they had been given and not to suppress or extinguish them. However, the fact that they could quench the Spirit indicates that those brethren who possessed miraculous spiritual gifts in the first century were able to control them, just as Paul taught in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 32 when he wrote, "In the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Also, the fact that they could despise the prophesying indicates that even though these were revelations of the will of God, the people could still choose to reject them or to treat them with contempt. Since 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 8 through 13 teaches us that the miraculous spiritual gifts would cease when the revelation of God's word was complete, and since the gifts were passed on by the laying on of the apostles' hands, we should not look for miraculous spiritual gifts to be in operation today. However, we can still quench the Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the agent of revelation. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, the following, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. 
It was through the work of the Spirit that we can now pick up a Bible and come to know what it is that God would have us to do to be pleasing to Him. Will a person do what God's Word says to do? That is the question. To know what God would have me to do through the Spirit-revealed Word and then refuse to do it is to effectively quench the Spirit's message to me and to despise that revealed Word. Christians quench the Spirit if we refuse to obey the Word of God and choose to live earthly, carnal lives. We might mention also that the Bible also warns us not to grieve the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. Anytime we disobey God, violate the commandments delivered by the Spirit, show ingratitude or a rebellious attitude or neglect to do our duty before God, in doing so we are grieving the Spirit. The next words of exhortation are, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. To prove all things is to test all things, and it is an exhortation that is repeatedly found in the New Testament. In 1 John 4, 1, we find, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Just as a metallurgist subjects metal to various tests to determine its value and true nature, so too must the follower of Christ examine everything that is presented as truth or something to be practiced in the name of the religious world in the light of God's word. How many people are what they are religiously because it is what their mothers and fathers always believed, or it has been the religion of their families for generations? The fact that the family has always believed something or a well-known preacher has declared something to be true does not make it true. There are many people in the world who teach things in the name of religion that are just not according to God's word. And while they will have to answer for the false teaching they have done, the Bible places the responsibility on all individuals to determine if what they hear is true or not. In the first century, there were a number of Jewish Christians who taught the false doctrine that Gentiles, non-Jews, had to obey certain aspects of the law of Moses in order to be saved, including being circumcised. What they were teaching was wrong. God required no such thing. The church in Galatia was troubled by such teaching, and in Galatians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, Paul wrote the following, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so I say now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. The false teacher would be held accountable for the error that he taught, but those who believed it would also be held accountable. In verse 6 of Galatians 1, Paul wrote, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him who called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. In Galatians 5 verse 4 we find, Christ is become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. It is our God-given responsibility to place everything under the microscope of God's word. 
Albert Barnes, in Barnes's note on the New Testament, wrote the following comments about prove all things. He wrote they were to carefully examine everything proposed for their belief. They were not to receive it on trust, to take it on assertion, to believe it because it was urged with vehemence, zeal, or plausibility. In the various opinions and doctrines which were submitted to them for adoption, they were to apply the appropriate tests from reason and from the word of God, and what they found to be true they were to embrace, what was false they were to reject. It does very little good to determine what is true and good, what is according to God's standard, if one does not then believe it and practice it. The exhortation is as much to you and me as it was to the brethren in Thessalonica so many years ago. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. For the final words of exhortation, we'll look at abstain from all appearances of evil. For those who lived in a pagan society given over to idolatry, the command to hold off from all appearances of evil would have been very difficult. These were people who had come out of idolatry, and they were not to give the impression that they could still hold to any aspect of those false religious practices and beliefs. They could do this with the Lord's help. In 1 Thessalonians 3 and verse 3, Paul wrote, But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. While most of us do not live in a pagan society today, we do live in an idolatrous society in the sense that many people let wealth, possessions, even sports and entertainment take the place of God in their lives, and that, my friends, is idolatry. As Christians, we are commanded to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That was Matthew 5 and verse 16. Consequently, we must avoid every appearance of evil. There are places a Christian should not go, activities in which a Christian should not engage, even for legitimate reasons, if such could be misconstrued as participation in evil. I find it interesting that in the New Testament, Christians are referred to as saints, Romans 2.7, 1 Corinthians 1.2. Saints are people who have been sanctified, set apart, separated from sin and consecrated to God. In the Old Testament, certain items were used in the temple worship of God and were set apart, sanctified, consecrated to God. To use any of those items in a profane manner or in any way that was not according to the purpose for which they were created was to defile the item itself and to have committed sin. In a very special way, Christians correspond to that today. In Romans 6 verse 13, Paul wrote, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. In verse 19 of the same chapter we read, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members as servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. It is not right to take that which is sanctified, separated to God and holy, and use it in a way that would corrupt and defile it. 
As Christians, we are to be instruments of righteousness unto God, and it is our responsibility to avoid all sin and even to conduct ourselves in such a way as to avoid even the very appearance of it. There is that overused cliché, what would Jesus do, that is rather flippantly tossed about today. However, when it comes to something questionable that has the potential to give the appearance of evil, it is a good idea to ask ourselves if the Lord would do it. If the honest answer is no, then neither should we. I hope this examination of the words of exhortation from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 14-22 through 22, has proven to be helpful to you. Thanks for listening.